0: According to
1: ancient legend, a flood once destroyed the known world. Not hard to imagine on a morning like this. Our text today finds Noah and God discussing the aftermath of that disaster that decimated the first fledgling attempt at human civilization, which turned out to be not so civilized at all. Noah emerges from the ark, the boat that God had told him to build, to find a world he no longer recognized, a wasteland waiting to be rebuilt and reborn. And together God and Noah forge a covenant and they envision a new future. We too are often faced With a world that we no longer recognize so much has changed in the last few years and as much as we'd all like to get back to normal there's really no going back we can only look ahead and consider how we might do things differently on the brink of this new future god makes a covenant with noah a new vision for tomorrow and maybe it's time we made A new covenant, too. A new deal, if you will, for a new world.
0: A reading from Genesis. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, As for me, I am establishing my covenant with you and your descendants after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the domestic animals, and every animal of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark. I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the clouds, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh, and the water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Amen.
1: Please pray with me. Everlasting God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations upon all of our hearts serve to glorify you. May they be in keeping with the teachings of our Savior, Jesus Christ, whose name we pray, amen. By and large, as a general rule, employee training videos do not age well. That said, I'm something of a connoisseur, It's an odd hobby, I know. They try so hard to be cool and hip, these videos, to emulate the cultural zeitgeist of the day that in retrospect, they always come off as as hilariously dated. One of my favorites comes from Wendy's, the fast food restaurant, which produced an instructional video in the early 90s called Hot Drinks. It's all about how to prepare coffee and tea at Wendy's. The instructions are packaged in a full-blown music video in the hopes of appealing to the MTV generation. It Goes a little something like this. Hot drinks really get you going. Pick you up, get you when you're slowin'. Wendy's always do it right away. Snap the lid and have a nice day. Thank you very much. I pity the poor soul who had to sit through this in the back room of some Wendy's and take it seriously. And hot drinks was just the beginning. The training regimen was followed by the inevitable sequel, Cold Drinks, which was arguably even worse, to say nothing of the aptly titled, You Can Serve Chili With Cheese. And then there was another one called Grill Skills. Man. I didn't get that much training for this job. (laughs) Another one of these fantastically terrible videos was produced by Blockbuster, the video store franchise that dominated the market in the late 20th century before the advent of streaming video that collapsed the whole market. The video follows an earnest young employee named Marie as she's, you know, going about her, her work. She's a friendly and and an energetic high school student who seems to be enjoying her job and, and giving it her all. But as she's putting some VHS tapes back on the shelf, she's interrupted by a guy who appears on a nearby television screen Hey, Marie, wake up, would you? The stranger, who looks and talks like a used car salesman and totally isn't creepy at all, introduces himself as Buster Sales. And he begins appearing on television screens all over the store, criticizing Marie's performance and encouraging her to upsell the customers. Mrs. Harris just told you that her VCR was broken. Why didn't you tell her that we also rent VCRs, Marie? I guess it just slipped my mind, Marie responds, her forced smile doing little to conceal her obvious shame. And by the way, just between you and me, Buster Sales continues in conspiratorial tones. I heard that Mrs. Harris' son Jimmy is still single and looking to mingle, if you know what I mean. Like I said, not creepy at all. You know, it seems to me that maybe Buster Sales should mind his own business and stick to renting VHS tapes. Although his aggressive tactics did not do the company any favors. As a customer myself, I can clearly remember the folks at the counter practically begging me to subscribe to their DVD rental service when they were desperately trying to compete with Blockbuster. They knew their blood was in the water by then, and Netflix could smell it. Netflix had offered to sell the company to Blockbuster for $50 million, but they were laughed out of the room. And now Netflix is worth $231 billion while Blockbuster's been reduced to a single store in a strip mall in Ohio. Turns out videos in general have not aged well, at least not the kind that you find on VHS tapes and DVDs. And as much as I miss going to the video store, I really do, I can't bring myself to mourn Blockbuster, who drove all of the smaller places out of business and collapsed beneath their own weight because they could not adapt to a changing world. There's been a lot of hand-wringing and desperation in ecclesiastical circles for the past 30 years among folks who worry that the church with a capital C is gonna go the way of the local video store, that it hasn't aged well. It's certainly true that the influence of organized religion is not what it once was, in the 1950s or in the Middle Ages. you know, For decades, national polls have been demonstrating a steady decline in church attendance and religious belief. While most Americans still believe in God, 81%, according to a recent Gallup poll, that number is in decline, sinking by another 6% in the last five years alone. Is it any wonder, though, when the last five years have cast so much into doubt and made us question everything we know. When the pandemic shut most of us down for the better part of a year, churches everywhere worried if we'd even survive. Some congregations didn't. But those of us that did, those of us that weathered the flood and emerged into a new world, we survived and we thrived because we were able to adapt to dramatically changing conditions. When we had to go into lockdown on that fateful Thursday afternoon in March of 2020, we were recording online worship services three days later. When the choir couldn't sing together, we painstakingly stitched together recordings. I should say our director of music ministry, Michelle Hecht, painstakingly stitched together recordings made in people's homes to produce several choral pieces that are among the best we've ever had. When the kids couldn't come to church school, our Christian educators produced content for them to use at home. And thanks to careful planning and a whole lot of creativity and innovation, this church held together until we could be together. Friends, here we are. Much like Noah, we adapted to the threat and we weathered the storm. And like him, when we emerged from this proverbial arc, we found that the landscape had changed dramatically. A lot of things that we all took for granted are no longer true. And I think we're coming to realize that some of them never were. Civil unrest is growing around the world and here at home as the integrity of elections is cast into doubt and some of our own politicians advocate for civil war. Autocracy, theocracy, and fascism lurk at the edges of civilization. Racism, transphobia, and gun violence are ubiquitous. There's a conflict in Europe that's decimated Ukraine and stopped the flow of natural gas to much of the continent. Speaking of which, our collective addiction to fossil fuels that power everything, everything we depend on is also cooking the planet and the climate appears to be changing much much faster than anyone expected with this summer being host to widespread heat waves and once in a thousand year weather events seem to be happening once a week rivers and reservoirs are drying up in the american west while a third of pakistan is literally underwater There are microplastics in our blood, and rainwater is no longer safe to drink. The complex interaction of all of these factors, among others, has also sent inflation through the roof and set the stage for global shortages of energy, food, and water in the coming years. Just as we adapted to the pandemic, humankind is going to have to adapt to all of these changes, too, in one way or another. And I think we have to adapt as a community. That means building a strong and sustainable foundation that can withstand any flood. The story of Noah's Ark seems especially timely given the potential for widespread damage that we face today. It's tempting to compare Noah to a modern-day doomsday prepper hoarding toilet paper and building a bunker, or in this case, a boat to ride out the storm. But Noah was not a lone wolf. He was not alone. He had his family with him, but also a larger community. It just happened to be animals, but that's what we all are at the end of the day, God's creatures. And we aren't alone either. We have a community right here, a congregation, a church, that is really well poised to prepare for whatever the future might hold. Compared to much of the world or even The country, we've got a lot going for us right here. We're well-resourced with finances and skilled people. We have strong relationships with local service agencies like pads and local food pantry. And geographically, we're positioned to avoid, I hope, the worst of the floods and heat waves and droughts that will impact much of the world in the coming years. But that means that people will seek sanctuary here. It means the needs of our community will grow. And if we take Jesus' teaching seriously, then we need to be prepared to meet those needs for people, much as this church has always done. Now, yeah, climate refugees may not arrive here for a few years yet, but if it were happening tomorrow, we'd already be too late. I shared all of these concerns and ideas with a church member recently uh, discussing the need for sustainability in the church and, you know, just throwing out some ideas off the top of my head like solar panels or a community garden, maybe even a chicken coop that could provide eggs for the local food pantry or, I don't know, a cow that produces fresh milk. Things to sustain the community in creative ways when other systems are at risk of breaking down. You want to build an ark, she replied. I don't know if that was intended as an affirmation or if it was a polite way of telling me that I'd lost a few of my marbles, but she wasn't far off, except I don't just want to save myself or even this church, I want to build a sustainable sanctuary for folks seeking refuge from proverbial and literal floods." As much as the wider church might be struggling in some ways, this church is thriving. We're doing really well in so many regards. We really are a strong community. You know, uh, we're not at risk of perishing if, if we don't change immediately, but we have an opportunity, I think, to think creatively about how we can do more to meet the growing needs of a changing community. When they look to the future, God and Noah made a covenant. And a covenant is more than a promise. It's a shared vision for the future. When God covenants with Noah, they imagine a different kind of world together, a world that is different than the one they left behind. And this isn't the only covenant that God makes, by the way. God actually makes seven covenants with humanity in the Bible, each of them in response to the needs of the time. God makes covenants with Adam and Abraham and David and Moses, that particular arrangement carved into stone tablets and sealed in a box known as the Ark of the Covenant, which you'll know if you're familiar with the Bible or if you saw the first Indiana Jones movie. Maybe you rented it from Blockbuster before they went out of business. Periodically, every so often throughout human history, We need to make a new deal with God, a new contract, a new vision for tomorrow. And I feel that God is calling us to make a new covenant now. When the video rental market collapsed and all of the video stores went under, there was one that survived and thrived. In New Haven, Connecticut, there's a little place called Best Video, It's been around forever. Unlike Blockbuster, it always occupied a more underground niche, stocking their shelves with independent films and old classics rather than, you know, 20 copies of the newest Dwayne Johnson movie. But as digital services gained prominence and physical media became yesterday's news, they realized that they needed to adapt to that changing market. And rather than try to beat Netflix at its own game, like Blockbuster tried and failed to do, they went in a completely different direction. They filed Articles of Incorporation as a 501c3 nonprofit entity and became the Best Video Film and Cultural Center, a local patron of the arts that hosts public film screenings and discussions along with live music from local artists while still renting movies. The folks who enjoy the old-school approach, they pivoted, they adapted, they survived, and they thrived. The same could be said for DuPage Pads, our local homeless shelter, who had to dramatically shift gears during the pandemic. For 30 years, churches like ours were hosting homeless folks uh, on site once a week to offer them some shelter from the elements and a hot meal but they couldn't do it anymore during the pandemic. I was part of those early conversations about how to continue offering safe shelter in church basements and synagogue fellowship halls when COVID was raging. And we tried a few things to maintain the status quo, but it just didn't work anymore. No one wanted to sleep in a room with 50 other people at the height of a pandemic. Business as usual was not cutting it. So they tried something new. And this week, I had the privilege of touring PAD's new interim housing facility, an old hotel that's been repurposed and turned into an ark, if you will, for folks with no place to go. It's a remarkable operation they've got running over there. In addition to the temporary housing, they're housing 300 people there right now, by the way, many of them children. In addition to the housing, they offer meals, laundry services, and an on site food pantry along with counseling services and case management to get folks quickly into a more sustainable environment, a job, a home, a life, and a future. PADS made a new arrangement, a new covenant, and they built an ark to carry it forwards. Now, I don't know what that looks like for us, exactly. There's no training video or instruction manual to follow. I, I just hope that we can figure that out together as a community. This sermon series is honestly just intended to start the conversation, to confront the challenges that we collectively face, and to discern how the church can rise to meet them, how we can rise to the moment, to think creatively about how to rise above the flood and meet the needs of a changing world. It seems fitting, given the context of this sermon, to end with a quote from a movie, so I'm going to share this one from Kevin Costner's Waterworld. Friends, dry land is not just our destination. It is our destiny. Amen.